This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, if you will open up in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And as I mentioned to you, we are going to be able to look at the Sermon on the Mount. Now, uh, the good thing about the Sermon on the Mount to me is that this is our Lord's teaching. And there is no other teacher like our Lord. None other likened to him. So we're going to get a chance to get into this, and I'm somewhat excited about this subject. But uh, there's some things, especially when you get into it, that just kind of grab my attention. Now, there's one verse in particular. So uh, I am treating this as an introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. And when I go to Matthew, there's one scripture that stands out for me. Now, let me explain this uh, to you. I do appreciate art, but I don't like all art, if that makes sense. Um, it's as if, you know, some, you can give the same script to various actors and actresses, and they can act it out, but some just take it to a level that others can't take it. And so, you know, and I appreciate a good script, too, because sometimes, you know, things can be said, but there's a way to say things, right? So you say things in a certain way, and you put it in the hands of the person who says it just right, and then that's just, that's just beautiful. That's art to me, right? That's like beautiful music to me. And there's this one verse that doesn't seem like it, and I, again, in my mind, sometimes, you know, I like being me because I know I'm me, and it may not be you, but it's just me, and so I've learned to like me, <laughs> As it pertains to that, you know what I mean by that. I'm not, I'm not loving me like that, but you know I do appreciate. I don't think like you think, and you don't think necessarily like I think. And I appreciate the differences. Too much, uh, uh, too much goes on in this world because we don't appreciate the differences, and we want to be like this person or be like that person. And in all honesty, if God has made us in such a variety and He's all right with it, I'm all right with it too. And so I say these things, and sometimes these things pop out to me, and I, I'm, I'm thinking other people look at me like, "Are you crazy?" But there's one scripture. It is Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, that just caught me. And it says, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Now, I, I can't relate this to you any better than this, but when I read that, to me, it is... The word really isn't poetic, even though poetic is the right word. The imagery, to me, is great. Okay, And, and the way it's stated... I just don't find this kind of statement throughout the Bible like this. But it says, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And then he goes on to give us the Sermon on the Mount. At least Matthew's uh, uh, capsulation of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, again, I, I can't relate this to you. This is just me. I know you might be sitting there saying, I don't see any imagery there. I, I don't. He opened his mouth and taught them saying. But to me, that, that leads to three key questions. And it got me to look at these three key questions, and it made me understand um, the beauty of this verse and how it leads to everything else. And here are the three questions. 
Who is he? It's question number one. Question number two is, who is them? See, he opened his mouth and taught them. Do you see the imagery? Because here we have them, and them are fixed on he. And they're waiting for he, <laughs> the them are. And what does he do? He teaches. So the question is, who is he? Who is them? You know, them is in quotes, so I can say who is, or if English people, who are them, whatever. But who is he? Who is them? And what does he teach? What does he teach? Now, I know you're saying to yourself, well, you're going to go over the Sermon on the Mount eventually, right? We're going to teach those things. Yeah, but you need to know what he's teaching when he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Very interesting. So stay with me on, on this and, and bear with us as we get through this. But I do believe when we get a chance to look into the answer to these three, if you're like me, and maybe you're not, but to some extent if you're like me, you're going to see poetry in motion. You're going to see the book of the gospel according to Matthew leading into the Sermon on the Mount in a way that's going to help open up the Sermon on the Mount. So I have four sections that I want to get to in my teaching. These really are my objectives. We're going to uh, first answer the question, who is he? Then we're going to answer the question, who is them? Or who are them, however you want to put it. And then we're going to answer the question, what does he teach? And when we get an answer to these three questions, we can lead ourselves into the section number four, which is the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? So there are four things I want to give to you. The first three are the answers to the question, and then we can step into. I'm not going to get into, we have much teaching coming up. I, I get to dip my toe, can I say it that way, into the Sermon on the Mount. And again, there's no teacher like our Lord, so when you get to dip your toe in his teaching, it's sufficient. So the first question is, who is he? And when I throw this question out there, knowing who is hearing, because uh, we don't have a bunch of sinners tuning in to catch our Christian broadcast. Okay? Uh, at least you hope you don't. Because there might be a bunch of Christians who might be in the wrong column. But people will say, they know the Bible. And of course we know who he is. He is Jesus. He is the Lord of glory. And I say yes, yes, yes. But what I want to do is I want to put you in the context. Right? Because the writer here says he. And the writer has an idea of who he is so that we can better flow with the writer. And so we want to see who Matthew says he is. Now, when you ask that question in light of the gospel according to Matthew, I believe that's when you start to see the beautiful flow of this gospel account. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Starting at Verse number one. In fact, that might be all that we read right now. 
So this is Matthew opening up the gospel. And he says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. So again, he's not arguing about this is Jesus. Yeah, this is Jesus. We know we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus. But he says, I want you to know who he is. So not only is he Jesus Christ, but we have to understand he's the son of David. And he is the son of Abraham. That's how he starts. Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now he mentions these two, and then he starts to go through Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob. He starts to go through the generations. But he brings out these two men in particular when it comes to recognizing who he is. Now, what we need to understand is the significance of he's the son of David and he's the son of Abraham. Let's talk about Abraham first. Now, the significance of him being the son of Abraham is that Abraham had a promise made to him. Now, keep your ribbon in Matthew, because of course we're going to come back to this gospel. But let's look at this in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Now stay with me. I know that you might say, I know this already. Well, maybe you do, but have you flowed with it in the right direction when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount? But Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse number 1, we'll read through verse 3. And it says, Now the Lord hath said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So, so this is leading into what God wants to do through Abraham. He wants all nations of the earth to be blessed through Abraham. Now, Abraham goes on quite the life journey with God. And as we look over here in Genesis chapter 15, we see how God is dealing with Abram and what Abram is looking for from God. Verse number one, one of the greatest verses in my mind in the Bible. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I'm thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. Now you do understand that, right? So when we see he has given him no seed, Abram said, I don't have a son. So I've got to make somebody else an heir. Hmm. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Verse 5, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars that thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, 
so shall thy seed be. So he's dealing with Abraham from the aspect of the seed. And Abraham's dealing with God from the aspect of the seed. And I'll have you to know, and we're going to see this in a, in a bit, but the point was, here's how all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Give me your seed. Okay? Now jump down to, we're not going to go through all of this, because I don't have that kind of time. I want to get to a particular place today. Uh, let's, let's read verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So Abram believed in God, and God in turn counted his belief in God to Abraham, or Abram at the time, for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And Abram said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So what does God do? God makes, for the sake of, you know, we, we understand this covenant. But we'll say it this way. God makes a promise. So Abraham said, how will I know that this promise is, is from you? So God seals it. And as he does, look at this in verse number 18. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And he goes on and explains to him some more about the extent of what's happening. But what we see here is Abraham from the beginning. Now, you have to understand, especially in uh, the Hebrew culture, Abraham is the Hebrew. <laughs> you know, that all Hebrews come from. So he's the one. So he's prominent in their culture. And they know the record of Abraham. They know that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. This helps you start to understand who Matthew is talking to. He's not talking to Americans. He's not talking to heathen nations. He's talking to people who know the promise. So, so when he says, I'm talking about Jesus, do you know the promise? So he's the son of David, he's the son of Abraham. There's a promise tied with Abraham, and there's a promise tied with David. We're starting to see who he is so that Matthew is setting the intro himself into the Sermon on the Mount. So, turn to Galatians chapter 3. The book of Galatians chapter 3. Let's start at verse number 6. We're going to jump around a little bit, not that much. Galatians 3 and 6 says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, verse 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee. Shall all nations be blessed? Again, and Paul is speaking from a perspective of those who knew the promise. He said, this is prominent scripture for you. You understand this, that through Abraham, all nations of the earth would be blessed. Again, we're not going to get into this because this will cause me to teach something else. But let's jump down through to verse number 
15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet it be confirmed. No man disannuleth or add thereto. Now, a man's covenant you can't break. Verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now, we didn't spend time on that, but Galatians is going to force us to think about what we read over in Genesis. He didn't say, he didn't say to your seeds. He said to your seed. He says, your seed will inherit. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed which is in Christ. Now this tells me something about the word of God. Even the plurals and the singulars are filled with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, now, now, when you read the scriptures, don't, don't just jump over seed. It's seed and not seeds. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. See, that's preaching stuff right there. We can start a sermon on that one. Because so many of us count us ourselves on the same level as Christ. But there's one seed. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm glad you're not the seed. I'm glad Jesus is the seed. Because Jesus does not disappoint. See, there needs to be a seed through which all the nations of the earth can be blessed. And we want to put ourselves on the same plane as Christ, but nobody's getting blessed through us. You know, I'll share this with you because we'll get to it. It's going to be part of my introduction. We're going to get a chance to talk about it. But here's the thing I liked about the Beatitudes is blessed. We hear from He. See, this is why we need to know who He is who's blessed. Because i got a lot of people nowadays talking about, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Well, let's hear He. First find out who He is and what gives Him the right to say, who's blessed. But again, Matthew is setting us up. He is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. Abraham? Well, well, well I want you to pay attention to Abraham because there's a promise through Abraham. And in this promise, you'll be blessed. Hmm. Can I say it another way? Through this promise, you should be blessed. It's available. He's available. How do we say it? The doors of the church are open. He's the one who closes it. He's also the one who opened it. Amen. I'm talking about he. Who is he? He's the son of Abraham. And to thy seed which is Christ. Now it also says, so we see the significance of him being of the line of Abraham because there's a promised seed of Abraham. Now the significance of him being the son of David is that God made a promise to David. Look at this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And guess what God promised David? God promised David a son. 2 Samuel.
Second Samuel, I'm telling you, God has it together. Now, starting at verse 1, again, we won't read all of this. See, I'm trying to get better, y'all. <laughs> See, the more I read, the more I stop down. And I don't get to where I want to get to. Y'all have been praying for me, haven't you? I appreciate it. I need the prayers. But Second Samuel, chapter 7, starting at verse number 1. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I had to stop right there because you'll see the significance of that four-letter word, king. And it came to pass, not when anybody, but when the king sat in his house. And the Lord had given this king rest, round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Now, I'm sorry, but that I've got to stop down there. I have to stop down there. I cannot just pass over. I can't just pass this by. See, because this king recognized where his blessings came from. He wasn't talking about building bigger barns. He's talking about how am I living like this and the things of God in the state that it's in. This is a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. This is a man after God's own heart. Are we after God's heart like that? Amen. I, I will say this, especially to, you know, there's so much promise in children. There's so much promise in children. You see children and you see all that they can be. You see all that they can do. And, and you see the children, especially of this ministry. I've been blessed. I cannot relay this to you enough. I remember when I first came to this ministry. I remember the people. I remember the children. I remember the people at different stages in life. The place that we're at now, there has been great growth. Because there's generational growth being seen. Which was missing, I'll say this, in times past. At least in my view. And so the thing about it is we have those who now are staying with the church. But this much, much, much you must understand. Because I see my children. You didn't grow up like I grew up. You didn't experience the things. You didn't come through the way I had to come through. And I didn't come through the way my parents had to come through. Okay? And you have to respect that. But when you arrive, when you say you make it, when you get that that you've been laboring for for a long time, don't forget who puts you in that spot. Don't forget who got you through who got me through? My parents got me through. Well, who got them through? Then who got them through before <laughs> that they depended on? Have a heart towards God. Be like David. But we're talking about who is he. All right. Let's get back to it. And it came to pass when the king said in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. So that's a good attitude. And now we're going to skip uh, down to verse, verse number 12. And we're going to do this. But I'll tell you what's going on in between this is God is correcting David about some things. What's, what's God correcting David about? God is like, I'm God. 
what do I need from you? <laughs> it's like, I'm not hard up like that. So, so in other words, God's like, I'll let you know if I need something from you. And so it's not like that. But God said, but because your heart was toward me, I got something for you. That's our God. I'm sorry, that's our God. You can't out good God. God, I want to be good toward you. I didn't ask anything from you, but because you did want to be good, I'm going to be better to you. Verse 12. So let me tell you what I'm going to give you, David. And when your days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Stop right there. Stop right there. This, this, is, this is marvelous to me. You know, here's one of the things that uh, uh, you've got to, when you study history, and I'm not that great a student of history, uh, but what marvels me, what, 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 what gets my attention is uh, especially the, the great uh, uh, rulers, the great nations, and how they had rulers over them and the kings, and the kings always wanted to set up something knowing that they wouldn't always be around, but they always wanted to be remembered. So they would take great pains and great actions, put forth great effort to try to keep their name around. And some have succeeded somewhat. You know, you ask certain historians, oh yeah, I remember that. But then you get further and further from those who study history, like who? But people know David. <laughs> Why? Because God said, I. So this is not going to be your effort. So I'm going to set up your seed after you. Now, here's another blessing in this. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be better, y'all. <laughs> this is not where I wanted to go with my notes. But nonetheless, here's the next thing about this that, that gets me. God assures David, I'm still blessing even when you're in the ground. My work continues. The things you do today can secure generations to come. Have a heart toward God. Wow, I, that, that, that is just so encouraging to me. See, because there, there may be family members you've been laboring with and you wonder if they're ever going to get it. But God says, I don't need you to still be around for me to finish the work I have. Glory to God. Verse 12 again. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee. See, here's... See, so when God says this, you know what it is right now at this point? It's a promise. Because that's how God rolls. He makes a statement. <laughs> and he's not saying if. He's saying I will. That's a promise. So we see that God made promise to Abraham about a seed. We see God making promise to David about a seed. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. This is just beautiful. Because I know we skipped through verses, what, 5 through 11, but if you go back and read verses 5 through 11, what does God tell David? He says, I set you up. 
I put you on the throne. What do I? What can you give me? Because <laughs> I've given you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to outgood you, and I'm going to set up your seat after you, and I'm going to treat him. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to set him up, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. See, you're about to go sleep with your fathers one day. Your reign will come to an end. But I have a seed coming through you. And this seed will have a reign that does not end. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom Forever. Whoa. And I get this now. God is just saying, this seed is royalty. <laughs> this seed is royalty. And so, let's go back to Matthew chapter 1. So, he is the promised seed of of Abraham. He is the promised son, the promised seed of David. This is why Matthew lets us know from the jump. That's our terminology. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he goes, Abraham beget Isaac. Isaac, Jacob, so forth and so forth. And then you come down to verse number five. Salmon beget Boaz and Rahab. And Boaz beget Obed of Ruth. And Obed beget Jesse. And Jesse beget David the king. He wants to make sure that we capture that. David the king. Because he's introducing us to who he is. He is the promised seed of Abraham through which all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He is the seed that God was interested in. He is the seed that is coming through David, the promised son who takes the throne. He comes from a line of kings. And so what does Matthew do? He starts to run down the line of the kings. Because he wants us to know this is the promised seed of Abraham. This is the promised son of David. The throne is his. Amen. Glory to your name. The throne is his. Amen. Glory. I, I, to me, I just see all, the, all of it just coming together for me. Because you remember, David was anointed king, but didn't sit on the throne for a little while. <laughs> Someone else sat on his throne, but God had anointed him king. So I don't care who's sitting on the throne physically, God says you're a king. So what does it matter what man thinks? God knows who's king. So here we have the promised seed of Abraham, the promised son of David, the promised seed of David, the throne is his, according to God. And you know, when he came into the earth, a lot of people didn't recognize the throne was his. 
But nonetheless, He is the anointed one. He is king whether you recognize it or not. And here's what I like about this king. When you are king and you know it, it doesn't matter who acknowledges it. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. I'm telling you, we live in a time where people want to know who, we, where we want to know, or we want people to know who we are. If we are somebody. No, we change titles. I'm a managerial assistant. What? <laughs> In some people's day, that was called something else. But you want people to see you as a particular thing. There's some insecurity. But we have a Lord. No insecurities. <laughs> Amen. But the throne is his. That's the point. That's what Matthew wants us to see. He is king. His authority is as king, for that's who he is. Now, we will get into Matthew chapter 5. We are actually there. We're just in Matthew 5 and 2. But when it comes to Matthew chapter 5, by that time, because there's, there's some time that, that traverses from when Matthew introduces who he is to when he gives the Sermon on the Mount. Now, by the time he gives the Sermon on the Mount, starting in chapter 5 of Matthew, I don't know how many people recognize his kingly authority. But he's king. And they may have understood to a small extent that he has some authority, but Matthew is letting us know, no, he is the one who is the king. So he's the son of Abraham. He's the son of David, meaning he's the king. He's the promised king. And then this is what Matthew also introduces to us, as well as the other Gospels. He was begat of Mary, not of Joseph. He was begat of Mary, not of Joseph. Look at this in, still in chapter 1, verse 16. So here we come down to it. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. He's very, again, Matthew's very deliberate here. Says, Catch this. I'm running down Joseph's line. <laughs> and when we run down Joseph's line, I want you to know he's the husband of Mary. And that's important because the Lord was born of Mary and not of Joseph. Now get this. Now, now follow along with me. He is the promised seed of Abraham. He is the promised son. He is the promised seed of David. But he's born of Mary, not of Joseph. Do you catch that? Genesis chapter 3. Keep your ribbon in Matthew. We're coming back. Genesis chapter 3. I, I don't know if you caught that. He's the promised seed of Abraham. He's the promised seed of David. He was beget of Mary, 
but not of Joseph. <laughs> oh boy, this is something else. Because you do understand seed, without going through the birds and the bees, seed is given by man. I'm talking male man. And so, here we have the promised seed of Abraham. The promised seed of David. But he was born of a woman. Genesis 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute now. He's born of Mary, but not of Joseph. But it takes the seed, and we know he's the seed. So he's the promised seed of Abraham. The promised seed of David, and he is the seed of the woman. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Can, can, you, don't, you don't get that, do you? Oh, you, you don't understand that. Do you grasp that? He is setting us up. And, and of course, he, he goes through He goes through the birth of Jesus. And, and now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And again, I love how he does that. We're starting to see the flow. Let me let you know who he is. Now, I'm going to catch you with this. He was born of the woman, but not of the man. So how was he born? Well, well the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. You see how the flow starts to go? How Matthew is setting us up. He's putting us in position here. Because so, I want you to know, he was born of God. This is the promise, people. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 should I hold that back? No, I'm, I'm going to add to it right now. We're going to start, about, we're going to start talking about who them is. Because now we know who he is. And you have to understand who Matthew is talking to. Matthew is talking to the people of the nation of Israel. To whom the oracles of God were given. Who should be able to flow with this flow. Who are acquainted with the promises. Who have been looking for a time to come. And guess what? The time is now. So I said three questions. So, so we just dealt with question number one. Who is he? And we want to find out from Matthew, because Matthew is the one relating to us. And he opened his mouth. <laughs> and taught them saying. So now we know who he is. He's king. He's authority. He is the one that was promised. And his authority is not of man. His authority is of God. Well, then the question is, who is them. I turn to Matthew chapter 4. So you know we're trying to follow Matthew's flow, so we're going to see what Matthew says about them. <sighs> now, now, I will say this. It's kind of hard just to start reading in verse 23, but here's what's going on. Um, at this time, I don't know how else to say it, but but it's kind of hard to, to keep this ministry under wraps. It's just hard, right? Because we find out what he does. He comes teaching 
and he comes healing. It's hard to keep this ministry under wraps. So this is not Jesus being prepared for the time to come. The time is now. John the Baptist has been introduced in the gospel according to Matthew, but now he is decreasing. And Jesus is increasing. Okay? And so that puts us really to verse 23 of chapter 4 in the gospel according to Matthew. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. You know, this is interesting because they didn't have TV in that time. They didn't have radio in that time. But I can hear them say, come hear a preacher who's preached and taught like we've never heard. Come and be healed. Because not only does he preach and teach, he heals. And it's kind of hard to keep that under wraps. It's kind of hard to keep that quiet. You, you know, Jesus would say, be healed, but don't tell anybody. Then he'd probably turn around and say, now, where did all these other people come from? Because <laughs> maybe they didn't tell somebody, but somebody saw what happened and said, I'm a, they may not say it, but I got a mouth. He didn't tell me not to tell anybody. And so his fame is growing. I mean, it is great. Now, here's the thing about his fame. First of all, let me say this, all right? Because I want you to make sure you understand this. Who are them? Them are those who are following him. That's who them are. In the simplest form, them are those who are following him. And these are great multitudes. Meaning, this is a diverse group of people. It's a diverse group of people. And I'll have you to know, when, when you read this and it says that his fame went throughout all Syria, in verse 24 uh, of chapter 4, it says his fame went throughout all Syria. Uh, that's a large region. And then it goes on in verse 25 to say, multitudes came from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from Jordan. Now, if you were to study the map, it's in essence saying they came from far north. They came from the south. Did I read that right? Did I? Yeah, and from beyond Jordan. They came from far east. <laughs> Jerusalem, Judea, they came from far south. Now, it doesn't mention west. You know why it doesn't mention west? Because there's the Mediterranean Sea. But I imagine if the fishes could have heard. <laughs> if they could have got some water, wherever they were behind him, they would have followed him too. See, it's hard to... I mean, because this is the promise of God. Walking among them. Uh, you're not getting it yet, are you? You're not getting it. So, in this multitude, there's various people, but many of these people are stricken. In one way or another. What does it say? Uh, great multitudes, many of which are taken with diverse diseases, torments, possessed with devils, 
palsy, lunatic, and they followed him. And you look at these group of people and you would say, the world probably didn't look at them as winners. Some of them, I imagine, are wounded, waiting for their healing. Others were wounded, but have been made whole. It's a great diverse group. Now, here's the thing I wanted you to see. This is what I want to get to. I'm like, you don't get it, do you? He is the promised seed of Abraham. He is the promised seed of David. He is the seed of the woman. These are the promises that the nation of Israel were familiar with. This identifies him as the Messiah. Matthew, again, we're not going there, but Matthew does a, a beautiful setup. Uh, he says, when he records about uh, uh, God dealing with Joseph about the birth of Jesus, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he's here to save. I, I, we're coming, we're fresh into the new year, coming off of Christmas. There's a song I like, Oh Holy Night. There's a line in there. I believe that's the, the song. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. <sighs> You're not getting it yet. Imagine the woman with the issue of blood. Who's been living for a while. Hearing about the promises. And don't you know after a little bit when, when you're living the way that is and, and you're not getting... Uh, you know, Matthew goes over it, but I like how the other Gospels puts it when it comes to the woman with the issue of blood. It says she has suffered. I believe it was Mark. It says she has suffered many things of many physicians. See, see that's her pining. She suffered many things of many physicians. It said that she had spent all that she had. And it says she didn't get any better. She only got worse. But then here comes the sound of the promise being realized in the earth. I think I travel for the promise. I think when I've been suffering for a little bit of time, and it seems like all my lifetime, when I hear that the promise has come, see, the nation of Israel should now just stand in Him. You should be blessed. Furthermore, I hear it. The angels announced it. The shepherds are like, what's going on? Here are the angels. Fear not. For I bring you good tidings of great, of great joy, which shall be to People. Or that kind of sounds like the promise made to Abraham. And these shall all families of the earth be blessed. So, so don't be afraid. See, what's happening is now the promise has hit you. <laughs> For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. People have been suffering. People think life is getting worse and not getting any better. They're feeling it in the front lines. Here it is. If we could relate it to today. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time making ends meet. I got doctor bills. I'm getting another bad doctor report. When, is, when are things... Here comes 
salvation. Here comes Jesus. Here comes the promise. God, I've heard you talk about it. We've been waiting for it. Now, here he is. See, because in salvation, see, people have been bound for a while. To me, this is remarkable. I can just see, that's why that line hits me in an old holy night. Long lay the world. But until you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior. See, this is to all people. See, what I like about this, now, it says his fame went throughout Syria. That means they were heathen. Catching wind of it. You know, it's kind of like we do at churches today. You know, members don't know how to appreciate their own ministry. Visitors come in and say, this is the greatest thing. What's wrong with you? (laughs) So if you want to take advantage of it, I will. So these people have been waiting. Now, here's the thing about the people who have been waiting. Generally, these are people who have been, life has hit them. Other people who think they've arrived, they don't think they need salvation. They don't think they need anything extra. So you see the people that are following him. These aren't a bunch of... Amen. Keep your ribbon there. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That scripture just fits. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. How can I say it? They're a bunch of us's. They're just like you and me. Amen. Glory to you. We say that like I'm not that bad off, but in all honesty, do you see your calling? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25 and verse 26. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren. Have that not many wise men after the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called. You know, when he says are called, you know, that's an italic. You know what that refers to, right? It means when Jesus, when the trumpet of Jesus went out, did you respond? You see, that's why Jesus said, now if you're well, you're not looking for a physician, are you? But you might only be well in your own mind. But if you know where you come from, if you know what you deal with on a daily basis, uh, then you heard the trumpet and you responded. You'd be among the multitudes who were following him. Oh, glory to God. This is, this is who he is. He's a releaser of people from their burdens. Wow. He, with his authority, will do you good. And not do you harm. I mean, can you... When I think about the woman with the issue of blood, can you just imagine suffering, what is it, 12 long years? And then you hear of Jesus, can you feel the relief? And then you get her saying, all I need to do is just touch the hem of his garment. I've been to many doctors... I spent a lot of money. I went to the best that money could buy. And they could do me no better. I only get wor- get, got worse. But I am familiar with the promise. 
I'm familiar with what the Messiah is supposed to be doing. All I need to do is just get a touch of the hem of his garment. Do you hear the people? See, see, that's the multitudes. Again, there's no doubt he's, he's been healing. But after you've been healed, don't you think, you know, I better stick with him. I think, I think you know what, I'm going to change some things up and I'm going to stay with the one who healed me. Because after all, I've been dealing with this all this time. And who can do me like this? But God must be with you. So who are them? Them is made up of those who are following him. Those, no doubt, who are looking for healing. Those who have been pining. Those who have been suffering. The world has let them down. And I can just imagine some of them think that they had thought up until that point there was no hope. Can you see the hope arising? Wow. Amen. Glory to you. Matthew chapter 8. This is even after the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 8. Verse 1, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Those are those following him. Like, you know, nothing, in all honesty, there really is not necessarily any known remedy for leprosy. But here this man is like, no, no, the promise. (laughs) The promise. If you can't do it, it can't be done. And if you can't do it, you won't withhold your goodness from me. Because in you all nations of the earth shall be blessed. When Jesus teaches them, you're going to see Jesus identify them in a way they had not heard before. And no doubt the teaching of the authority of the king is going to challenge their concepts. (laughs) And especially challenge some of the people's pride. Because this is not all people who are just gung-ho. Some are skeptics. You know how some people just come along to see you fail? And as soon as you fail, see, I knew they weren't about nothing. So he's going to challenge some people's ideals and some people's pride because all these people are in the mix of the multitude. Because when a multitude like that is happening, you're going to have your critics. You're going to have your naysayers. They're going to be there. It's too good to be true. Well, I want you to know that it's not when it comes to the Lord. It's not. I love how he broke down. It is hard for a man with riches to enter the kingdom. And they're like, what do you say? Well, he says, well, with man it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's too good to be true. No, no, no. It's he is as good as advertised. You know... What good is healing? Well, it shows that he's the healer. And in another record, 
when the skeptics were there among the crowds and he <laughs> forgave one of his sins. And he said, rise, take up your bed. And, and which one is easier? Because <laughs> I want you to know the healer can do both. See, because there are pains related to physical issues, but there are also pains of the soul. And he's a healer there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Because there's a lot of people hurting. In him the wounded are made whole. In him the weak are made strong. With him the forgotten are remembered. That's who he is. And he had no issues with them. He was not trying to get away from them. He had time for them. Just like he has time for you. So these, who are them... These are mainly those who are following Jesus. Mainly those who are following Jesus. Because just like we just mentioned, no doubt they're skeptics. No doubt they're critics. Some are just curious. Some are not committed. And here's the other thing I want you to understand. These are people under the law. I just want to make sure you understand that when we get into this, these are people under the law. Because it's going to be important when we talk about what he teaches. Now, if you read Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1, many people will say, well, I can disqualify everything you just said. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. That's why we call this the Sermon on the Mount. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Now, now, someone would say, them are his disciples. <sighs> My first question is, who's a disciple? It's not the apostles. The disciples. And then furthermore, I want to draw your attention to... Matthew chapter 7, the end. Verse 28... And we're going to understand this now that we understand who he is. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people, I'm sorry, the people, didn't say the disciples, said the people. Now, I don't have the Hebrew for you. You know, I, I don't have the Greek for you. But look it up. This means throng. This means crowd. <laughs> so maybe the disciples were a bunch of people, but there's a crowd of people hearing them. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as a scribe. See, see you're starting to see how beautiful this flow is in Matthew. It's like, yeah, now they start to recognize his authority and his speaking because he's speaking as the authority because that's who he is. He's not saying, I think. He's not saying, in my opinion. He's saying, this is truth. So someone look at verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 5 and say, they, he only taught the disciples. But here I find that other people heard him. And I don't think he was ignorant to them hearing him. 
Look at this in John chapter 8. It's one of these scriptures that stick out in my, my mind. John chapter 8. Verse hmm, 31. Well, actually, let's look first at... Oh, my goodness. It's here somewhere. I'm looking for that scripture. Uh, it's here. It's here. It is. Isn't it Matthew? Isn't it John chapter 8? If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. What verse? I can't hear. Oh, this is where I was, huh? Maybe that's why I couldn't see it. Silly. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Notice this. He said this to who? The Jews which believed on him. Who did he say it to? The Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, now first thing I want you to see here is, who are his disciples? Those who continue in his word. Those are his disciples. Again, we don't have the 12 here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. So who is he talking to? That's why I said it at first. These are those who followed him. These are followers of his ministry that he's speaking to. But again, there's something else to be taught from this. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. He said it to those who believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The answer to him is, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who did he say it to? Those who believed on him. Who responded? Uh, case in point. Verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. I like it. Matthew sets up for us. Well, uh, he's Jesus' father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto him, them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Oh, wait a minute. These aren't, he's not talking to now, or responding to now, people who believed on him. So he knows full well who's in the crowd when he speaks, and he has no issue with it. And next time we'll get to talk about what does he teach? You starting to see the beautiful flow of this gospel? I'm saying, these things excite me. You know, when, when you see it and, and, and what happens is this is just precept upon precept. Line upon line. That's what God does. This is why, you know, you sit there and you read things that you've read before and say, ah, I've read this before. No, no, God wants to add something to you. He goes precept upon precept, line upon line. You see, because, oh, wow. Man, you know, that's just the work. Of, God just works it. Can I tell you this about the seed, too, just because it came into my mind? Here's the one thing we forget about the seed, right? We're talking birds and bees now. Here's the thing about the seed. The seed is, 
we forget that a lot of seeds die before they get fertilized. But God works it. And He made sure that this seed was taken care of. Hallelujah to your name. Made sure that the seed of Joseph and the seed of Mary were kingly seeds so that there's no dispute of his kingly claim to authority. Made sure that seed was good throughout all generations. He started working on that seed when he made promise to Abraham. If you can receive it, this is the will in the will. This is God orchestrating things. Centuries down the line, he says, now I'm starting to turn this one cog to make sure the seed makes it from Abraham to Isaac. And then next thing you know, he turns the cog again. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, see, that's how God does it. And he makes sure that the seed... So, God has been lining everything up. And this is why the angels had to sing. That's why they had to party at that time. Because God has been working this project for a long time. And it's now coming together. And guess who gets the goods? We who've been pining. We who thought we were forgotten. We who thought there was no possible chance at us getting any better. We would spend everything we had trying to make life right. And here comes salvation. It is time to rejoice. Let's bow our heads. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.